Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is Jira Taylor, your host, and I'm the founder of Flow State. So humanity exists at a new threshold as far as I can see. We live in this super interesting time. Never before have we had the collective awareness of the global challenges that face us all. And never before have we had the potential to actually do something about them. I believe that business combined with emerging technology, combined with funding and catalyzed by higher consciousness can profoundly accelerate global harmony, coherence and flow. And that's why my mission is to find the purpose-driven and rebellious entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the way things are done and to empower them to live in flow and create companies in flow, companies of profound meaning and impact. One of the ways that I came to these realizations was through my practice, um, my sacred practice with plant medicines, particularly the uh, teacher plant called Wachuma, otherwise called San Pedro. Over the last few years, I've journeyed several times uh, with this plant teacher in sacred ceremony. And it's funny, if you've done these plants before, you'll resonate with what I'm saying here, but you there comes a point in these journeys, which sometimes last six to 12 hours long, there comes a point sometimes where it feels like you're getting tapped on the shoulder and taken to one side. And I had a few of these experiences of getting taken to one side. And usually it's this feeling that I'm about to download something very meaningful. There's about to be a transmission of wisdom to come through me. And usually I walk off to find some space by myself sitting on a rock or underneath the tree. And I close my eyes. And the wisdom comes through almost like there's a, a, a drip feeding into my consciousness. And on one of these journeys, the wisdom that came through was the realization. It was, it was actually, it felt like nature talking to me. I realize why all the indigenous traditions and even ourselves in the Western world call nature, we, we refer to nature in the feminine, we say mother nature, we say Pachamama. And it really felt like there was this grandmother type of figure communicating with me. And what she said was, look, there's no accident that you're here. The people that are here doing this work, doing this medicine work, drinking the medicine, going through the nausea, going through the discomfort, going through the inner turmoil, dealing with their trauma, dealing with their shit that they haven't dealt with yet. The people who come back are the ones who are getting called back because we have a message to share with you. And the message is going to be shared by people who can hear the message. And you're here because you've done the work and you're ready to hear the message. And the message is that you've got to go out there and do the work. Do the work to um, be an ambassador, an emissary, a diplomat, working on behalf of nature itself, working on behalf of life itself. Your responsibility now, because you've heard the call, because you're here, is to go out there and be an, an agent of change, to be a catalyst for global transformation that is in alignment with the highest possible service to our planet. And that's why I do what I do. So the episode this week is very close to my heart. It's an interview with a, a very special woman in my life. Uh, her name is Gemma Gornet, or she, otherwise known as Jamita. 
And she's a sister, a friend. She's spent a lot of time working with the holders of uh, wisdom in the Andean shamanic path. Um, she's worked and learnt with a lineage that have had their wisdom passed from father to son, father to son for thousands of years in the Andes. And Jamita's been working with and facilitating and practicing ritual and ceremony um, across the world and spending many months at a time working with masters in Peru um, and learning a level of reverence and connection to nature that can only really be understood by those who of this lineage. It's a profound level of connection with nature. And that's what we're going to go into in this podcast interview. So for those of you out there who, when I say nature connection, it kind of like, it kind of doesn't sink in. There's, 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 there's different levels of nature connection. There's like, oh yeah, I like, I like nature. I like to go for a walk in the woods. Yeah, nature is calming. And then there's like real, this realization that you are communing, connecting with a, a part of you, the spirit in you. Every time you connect deeply with nature, it's, it's an awakening process to what you are beneath all the conditioning. We're going to talk about all of this. We're going to talk about ways that we can bring this connection of nature, this reverence into our lives. Even if we're living in the cities, even if we're working in skyscrapers, we're going to go into how we can do that. Um, and we're going to go and talk a little bit about uh, the sacredness of life and how we, can, uh, how, we, how we can become healers in our own life, how we can learn to harness our own energy to heal ourselves and to remind ourselves that we are unbelievably beautiful, complex infinite beings living in these physical bionic spacesuits. <laughs> Without further ado, please buckle in for this amazing and flowing conversation with Jamita. I'm here with Jamita. Gemma, how are you? I'm super well, Jiro. How are you, my darling? Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, um, I'll do it. I've, I have done a nice introduction already for you, so you don't have to get into all of that. But just in your words, just describe a little bit about your the work you do or how you perceive yourself right now. <laughs> mm, that's such a that's such a beautiful question to ask, actually. Um, well, it, this is an interesting one because I, I've I've been doing some work with the Byron Spirit Fest for quite a few years and. Two years ago, maybe three, Kate Little, the organiser there, said, I need you to sum up what you do in three words because we need to, we're doing like a big promo thing that runs across the top of it, you know, during the festival and on Facebook and stuff. And I was like, oh, three words, my gosh, how can I? And at that time I was really um, transitioning from my business because I had a raw food business into mm. what I do now. And I've been doing what I do now for many years but I was moving into it more fully and, and so I was writing down all these words and then what came through was anchoring the light. Mm. And so that feels like a really uh, beautiful blanket or a general term for what I feel I, I'm doing. So I, I work with different modalities, different medicines. Um, uh, my, my main influence is from the Peruvian Andes, but with respect and honour of all traditions. Um, and using those modalities to assist humans, well, spiritual beings in human space suits, to 
come back into the remembering of who we really are and uh, reclaiming our our mastery and our infinite um, power and beauty and and all of it joy all of it and so that's 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 my service and that's what I'm dedicated to doing and uh, of course as I continue to move through that process with others I also um, close the gap on that process within myself too so nothing goes one way so I'm here to the light <laughs> beautiful <laughs> so one of the things that I honor and respect about yourself is is, is that you've you've gone pretty deep like there's uh, you've, you've from what I can tell you've gone all in and you're fully committed to your path and it seems like um, a few years ago you must have made a decision in your life to go deep and particularly go deep into the traditions and the wisdom of the Andes in Peru. Um, now, what what was going on then when you were, I guess, um, you must have been at a crossroads of sorts, as, as, we, as we also often are. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, what was going on prior to you making that decision to go deep into that Andean tradition? Yeah, sure. I think it's one of those things I say when the student's ready, the teacher arrives, you know. Um, I have had a very, very colourful um, experience of life so far. I have been everything from working on, you know, the runways of um, Europe in fashion, um, you know, in, in hair and makeup through to being on telly, through to everything you could possibly imagine and then into a beautiful raw food business that I had for some years. And actually when that business was just beginning and flourishing and, and that in itself was, a, it was a, uh, a major turning point in my life because it was then that I started to connect to, um, I guess, a conduit of medicine coming through in that time it was the medicine was through the food mm. um, particularly the medicine of cacao way back then as well I, I, I met the spirit of the plant spirit of cacao which is considered to be an entheogenic plant medicine um, way back in um, oh, probably about 2003 I think it was anyways so I in 2000 in January of 2012 um, my partner at the time, who was Colombian, wanted to go to Peru and we'd spent a couple of months in Colombia. And I, I wasn't feeling a big calling to Peru. I didn't know that I was being called, but I was because the apples are always working and if you end up there, it's because they're, they're calling you. And as soon as my feet hit the ground in, in Cusco Airport, I, something happened and I just, I felt it through my entire being and I knew that I'd come home. And so we worked uh, there with some medicine um, in a place called Pisac, which for me I, I kind of, uh, I avoid a little bit when I go there because it's it's sort of become a place where a lot of expats sort of land and and it's uh, and I prefer for me I prefer to spend my time in traditional communities with with local people, which I learnt later down the track. But you've got to start somewhere. And so from there, I I knew that there was something, and I didn't quite know the depth of it yet. But I had been changed, and the the mountains there were 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 
within me and the Pachamama, the earth there, was within me and so I was being called back. And so I went again um, the following year and I had a, a reading, a coca leaf reading um, with, with a, a shaman or a pako, they call them there, um, who ended up becoming my teacher. And when he threw the leaves straight away, he went, oh, you're very clear. You've, you've, done, you've done a lot of work already. And I said, I'm, I'm doing my best. And he said, don't let that blonde hair and those blue eyes fool you. These are your mountains. This is where you belong. And I was like, oh, he was just really, I, you know, my heart just exploded open. It exploded open. And then he invited me to come back and work with him. So I went up to Canada uh, and then I came back down in the same year and, uh, and I began my, my, I guess, apprenticeship, you could say, with this man. Mm-hmm. And then through him I met my other family and my teachers along the way. And as I started to work more deeply with their ways, in fact, the very first time that I ever worked with their ancestral medicine there. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about this before our, before our call here, but um, I I had a calling. I, d- I actually had a calling while I was with me- with medicine that told me that this is what I had to do. Not that it was going to happen overnight, but that there was going to be a process of events that would lead me to doing this. And so um, I decided to remain open to this experience and to... You know, there's such a fine line between humility and confidence and and not to push the process but to um, ask to be very clearly shown um, what I needed to do and where I needed to be and to follow that. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't always easy at all. Um, it took me probably four years to work my way out of the business that I was in mm-hmm. and then it got to the point where... I kind of got the big spirit basically said to me, now you have no choice. It's how yes or you, yes. How did that happen? How, what, what can you, <laughs> we've talked about this, about the trying to, trying to use words to describe things that are beyond language, but I'm going to put you on the spot and challenge you to do your best to describe like how, how that was a yes or yes. It happened in two ways. It happened because when I would, and we'll talk a bit more about when I'm talk, saying the words the medicine, we'll talk a bit more about what that actually is. But for, I'll, I'll just say that, um, do you want me, would you like me to explain what I'm talking about with that? With the medicines? With the plant medicine? With the yeah, ancestral yeah, medicine? Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. So um, in the Andes they work with an ancestral medicine from the mountains called Huachuma. Um, or otherwise known as San Pedro in English. Um, It's a beautiful medicine that is gentle but strong and it really assists us to remove the veils of uh, illusion that are built up over years and lifetimes of programming and conditioning and all the rest of it that kind of stand in the way of us remembering um who we really are as as um, beings crystalline beings here on this planet and so the ancient cultures the medicine originates three and a half thousand bc in a place called chavin in the north of peru so it's been utilized for many thousands of years um for healing yes Mm -hmm. absolutely that's number that's space level number one is for healing so the medicine works very um specifically um, in a way where it will work on the physical body 
it'll work on the emotional body. And then what happens is eventually, or sometimes quickly, depending on where your soul is at, where you know your your inner outer and connection to spirit is at, it will you will arrive at a place where you are able to um, manifest, connect with, commune with, um, understand the what's really going on on the planet and the medicine showed me really clearly that all of these civilizations like the Inca civilization for example where we see these structures and these things that are like boggle our minds as to how they did it well when you work with the medicine you understand it very clearly it's actually very easy the way that they did it when there's when all resistance is is removed from the overactive thinking human mind and we come back into the highest vibration of love anything is possible I think even Jesus said it in the Bible, something about if you have faith, you will move mountains. He meant that literally. But we have to remove fear and resistance first, and that's what this medicine helps you to do. So while I was working with the medicine, very, very, very quickly um, I learned, I'm talking like probably in the first journey that I ever had, I learned very fast how to move energy. The medicine started teaching me straight away. And so... um, I started receiving um, many teachings and and um, sharing them with my teachers and they were validating, I guess, everything that I was sharing with them as being this is the wisdom of the ancients, you're being taught. And so the more profound that was becoming, uh, the more clear it was becoming that uh, my service to the world in the way that I was doing it needed to change. Um, I was my business was a beautiful business and uh, it was serving a lot of people in many ways. But for me personally, especially as a woman, actually, it required a lot of mental activity. It required a lot of me spending time um, in the mind, and that's awesome for some people. For some people, that's where they, they need to be. Um, for me, I needed to be using my gifts and talents somewhere else, elsewhere. And so it kind of got to the point that every time I would sit with the medicine, it got to the point where it got a bit embarrassing actually because he would be like, so what are you doing? (laughs) And I'd be like, well, I'm working it out. And he'd be like, well, be faster. And I'd be like, I'm going as fast as I can. And then he, and then I said to him, show me. I used to, you know, my prayer would be just show me, show me um, what I'm meant to be doing. And one day he said to me, stop asking that question. You know the answer because this is the thing. This is what the medicine does for us. It's, you know, the conversation that we're having is actually with our own inner being. We're having this conversation with our highest aspects of ourselves that, that know exactly what we're here to do. And, you know, we go off on, on, our, on our paths and on our, and then, you know, we have this thing called free will and the mind takes us off on these tangents. And But our essence knows exactly why we're here and what we're meant to be doing. And that's what the medicine does. It aligns you with that. And so <clears throat> he said to me, stop asking that question. I've shown you. I'm not going to. So I changed my question and I said, okay, show me how clearly, step by step. I need to see what to do. Now, it wasn't always easy because it showed up sometimes in very difficult ways, you know, but I just remembered that like with anything in life, it it was a process. It was just a process and it was one foot in front of the other. Um, And so I 
needed to be patient and at the same time I needed to move quickly mm-hmm. um, trust and really really trust with what I was doing and um, you know really had to learn and the, I think this is such a beautiful lesson for all of us no matter what we're doing how to be like what I call spiritual Teflon that is when people are shooting their thoughts ideas and opinions at you you just got to learn to let it slide right off you can't take any of it on as yours um we really need to know our hearts we need to know who we are and when we really know who we are then nothing can wobble us Mm. um or not for too long anyway it might for a little bit but Mm. not um so that's that so what was happening beforehand was absolutely beautiful i'd actually really stepped stepped onto my path already Mm. um but stepping stone mm-hmm. to what what I feel now is a difference between, and I know you're going to know what I'm talking about here, there's a difference between feeling inspiration to do something like, you know, when I was building the business, it's like, oh, and I had all this energy, I was like, boom. And now this is a calling. Mm. It's a different thing. When you receive a calling, it's yes or yes. There is no choice. And you know it deep within you. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. and if you try and ignore it, it keeps chasing after you, whether you like it or not, until you until you grab it grab it with both hands, like we do the medicine cup, and take it. Mm. So beautiful. <clears throat> One thing that strikes me about the the, the traditions that that you've been taught in, um, there's so many things I want to talk about here, but I'm gonna. I'm going to talk about this, uh, building this connection. You mentioned the Apus before, which just you're talking about the mountains, right? Um, and you're, there's, there's almost like I'm fascinated. I, I talk with my, with my clients often about connecting with nature. And a lot of the time it's just like words that just filters through the mind. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I like to walk through forests or, you know, and, and there's like there's differing levels of connection with nature. And what I love about um, different indigenous traditions, shamanic pathways, is, is the, the practicality in terms of uh, how it's almost like there's a language to use to communicate with nature, which helps you build your relationship with nature. And if you don't learn this particular form of language to communicate with nature, well, then you're never going to build a relationship with nature, just like you, would, you could never build a relationship with any sort of being. Um, and it seems like the traditions that, that of the Andes are very sophisticated when it comes to this understanding of the language. In, in, I was reading the book The Alchemist last night, and, and it talks about the language of the soul of the world. And, and can you talk to me a little bit about the way that communication with nature um, happens over there? It's a language of the heart. You can't connect with these forces through the mind. You just can't. You, the mind is an epic servant, but the heart needs to be the master. And when you visit the mountains or any Indigenous culture, actually, what you'll see is people sitting and not meditating so much but contemplating. Mm. So they take the time um, to 
sit and be with with what's there and then eventually over time at first the mind is trying to figure everything out but then there's a there's a level of stillness that takes over the body that allows us to let down our guard and start to feel so this is this language of nature is in the feeling and many of us in the western in our western worlds doesn't matter if you're male or female have forgotten how to feel we actually don't know what it is to feel we know what emotions are we know what it is if something you know horrible happens and it makes us feel sad or it makes us feel but to actually feel what's around us because when the energy is right up here and it's in the head and it's in the head and it's in the head and it's busy 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 it makes it very difficult for us to be where our power is which is down in our womb space for women or the hara the dantian for men like it's low or and and our energy comes and goes through our cosco through our solar plexus and it's that, that's where we feel is in our solar plexus and then our heart interprets that into emotion so our power is all from really in a way from the neck down and then the mind is a wonderful tool um, for us to be able to then put into place whatever it needs to be um, to exist in this world but we've become way too ruled by the mind and so the language is actually might seem sophisticated but it's incredibly simple Mm. it's the, the the most profound things I have found and I've learned through this tradition are the simplest. Mm. And even all of the protocols and the rituals and the, the everything that's been passed down through lineages, they're really like, as my teacher Puma says, they're like recipes in a book. You know, the, the ingredients are all there, but then how you put them together in your essence is what matters. That's what's important. Mm. Um. So what needs to happen is that we can, like there's, there's I see the, these different lineages, I'm just going to use the Andes for, for example, that are being taught in groups, in big groups, to Westerners all around the world, to people that have never even been to the mountains. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful that people want to learn. It's beautiful that people want to know. It's beautiful that, you know, there's things, that, that ha- there's a thing called the Munaiki, which is an adaptation of what are called the Karpai rites of initiation that aren't actually called the Munaiki in the Andes at all, but they're being presented to people in that way. Um, and there's so many different lineages. There's the Eros, there's the Chincheros, there's, the, there's like so many different lineages that all are coming from the same essence, which is to be in service of unconditional love. And so all of the rituals and stuff that come down are, are just that, they're rituals. And what's really important is our level of connection to all things because that's the true ceremony the ceremony is our interaction with everything Mm. you know ceremony is life life is ceremony there's no formal being sitting in formal ceremony for me the practice is closing the gap between what it is to be sitting in formal ceremony and how you show up in life and closing that gap is what um deepens that connection to yourself and to all that is. And so for me, Puma said to me one time, best advice he ever gave me. He said, you know, Jamita, there's like so many shamans you're going to come and, you know, you're going to all different masters, all different masters you'll meet. He said, but there's still so much machismo, so much, and you're a woman. He's like, don't worry about them. Don't listen to what they've got to say. You, the medicine, the mountains, let the mountains teach you. Mm. 
Mm. And they have and they do, you know, and it's through, and this is the beauty of the work that we do in Peru and when we bring people there or even the shamanic immersions that we do here, you know, here it's a day or two. In Peru you come and you're there for, you know, two weeks or 18 days or a week or whatever, however long the thing is, the tour is, the pilgrimage is, and you sit every day with the mountains, with the medicine, and you begin to hear. Mm. You learn the language. Mm. And it's profound and it's life-changing because you can't ever forget that. You can't forget it. So you, then you go back into your world and the way you look at things and the way you experience things is completely different. There is a language. It's called Quechua. And that's uh, Quechua is actually the culmination of a lot of different languages pre-Inca. And then when the conquistadors came, the Spanish came and they started killing people off, um, the Indigenous peoples banded together and they decided to keep a language that would unite all of them that they could speak secretly and now they're teaching it to kids in schools again, thank heavens. It's the most beautiful language and it's called Quechua or Quechua. And this language is similar to Sanskrit in that it's what they call onomatopoeia, which is that the language has been written based on the sounds of nature. So all of the words uh, reflect the sound of what they feel that word would sound like if they were to say it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's actually an onomatopoeic language. Yeah, Sanskrit is, <laughs> Sanskrit's onomatopoeia as well. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, they, um, and then the, even in their music, there's one note, um, oh, and the name of it escapes me now, there's a sound that they make with the flute um, or a scale that they make with the flute that to our Western ears sounds a little bit off it sounds a little like oh that's a bit off key it's a bit like a 432 harmonic you know but what it is is it's the sound of nature it's the sound of the mountains it's the sound it's 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 not a concert pitch it's hmm. so everything every this is the thing and you'll see uh if when when you come Jiro in October and if anyone comes to join us the Andean people don't practice a religion as such yes christianity is or catholicism is huge like it's every everyone's catholic because that's what happened there you know when the when the spanish came mm. but they they practice a thing called synchronicity so they have the catholicism and they have their their traditional ways that run alongside each other they haven't given up one for the other mm-hmm. and the thing that has kept that culture so strong and so pure and so traditional and those mountains alive is these people's connection to the earth, to the mountains. Um, and everything that they do has a purpose. Every, Even down to the way they brew their corn beer, the way that it's brewed has like, I'll just tell you, for example, it's called chicha. Mm-hmm. And it's like a kombucha in that it's mega high in um all kinds of good bacteria, probiotics, mm-hmm. um, but it's fermented corn. So it has, you know, an alcohol content of about 4%, similar to beer. But they believe that the chicha is sacred. It is the communion of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. See, now this changes everything. Mm. Like if we in our, in, in our lives had this perception 
of a beer on a Friday afternoon. I mean, imagine we were coming at it with this perception that it's the communion, the marriage of the masculine and the feminine. It's the, the water from the glacial mountain and it's mamasada, which is the corn, that holds the ancestral coding and is the ultimate expression of Pachamama, Mother Earth. And we, they mix those two things together. They sprout the corn for a couple of weeks. This is all this process. So much love goes into this. You know, two weeks to sprout the corn, then they crush the corn, then they ferment the corn, and then they put it into these big clay pots that are like a teardrop shape, and they sink them into the earth. And the bottom of the clay pot of the teardrop where all the sediment falls represents the ukupacha or the inner world, the inner, the, our, our, our psyche represented by the snake. The centre of the clay pot where all the liquid sits represents the kaipacha, the world in which we walk, the physical realm, the puma. And then the top of the pot where the head is, the fluff, the froth, that represents the hanukpacha, the realm of spirit, the condor. So when you drink a cup of chicha and you go into these five, 600-year-old chicha houses, yeah, everyone's getting jolly and dancing around the table, but they're also getting their, on the level of health, they're getting their probiotics in. And more than that, they're drinking heaven and earth mm. and all in between. So when you bring that level of consciousness and connection to everything, then you see how the language just becomes. It's not mm. something that that's learnt in a book or that anyone can tell you. You have to experience it. Mm. You've got to experience it. Yeah. I think when I said sophisticated before, the, the, what I mean was is like elegant, like this like ele elegant simplicity but profound depth, right? And, and it's things like this. It's turning the everyday into sacred practice, sacred communion. Um, and, and this is an area that I really want to explore and, I'm, and, and, and I've certainly started to. Um, you know, over, over the last few years. And when I was uh, with you quite recently um, and with Kevin, who's one of the, the Pacos, one of your brothers um, who lives in the Andes, we were talking about um, the, the Mesa um, the, and we were talking about prayers. And over a few ceremonies that I've been doing over the past few years, I've one of the things that's really stuck with me is this is this is this like constant giving um like life in servitude um to to nature to life itself and it really strikes me because what i was brought up as as some as in jehovah's witness church and, and we would pray and i'd pretty much be asking for stuff you know <laughs> you know like and and i'd certainly pray when i was feeling more afraid and i'll certainly pray when i really wanted something really badly you know, like that promotion or like whatever it is. And there wasn't much giving to it. Um, and then something Kevin said the other day was about how Andean people are very generous. And the generosity begins with generosity to self. And I love that. I love that. You know, so they, so they are generous with their portions. They're generous with their beer. They're generous with the way they talk to themselves. And that sort of forms a foundation for generosity to life itself. Tell me about how you feel that generosity when you're there. So our, one of our favourite phrases there, and you'll hear it a lot, and you probably hear it a lot with me when you come and, come and sit, um, is be generous with yourself. 
you know, um, because nothing goes one way. So there's a guiding principle in the Andes and it has a name. It's Aini. And Aini is, as I said, the guiding principle and in its in its most basic translation, it means reciprocity, but it's much more than that. It, it, it really means that nothing goes one way. So it's, it's similar but different to our notion or our concept of, of karma because it's not just about what you do unto others, you do to yourself. This is, this is also about um, this constant cycle of giving and receiving and it transcends all time and space. So, for example, in the physical realm, how that works is if you're an, if you're an Andean farmer and your neighbour is harvesting his potatoes one day, you go and help him. You go and help him. You give him your day because you know that tomorrow he'll give you yours. He'll give you his, you know. So this is how their communities work. They're in this constant state of Aini. And so they understand that the same applies to Pachamama. When we give to the earth, then she gives back to us. So when they're when they're working on the earth, when they're climbing to these high altitudes, their love goes into the practice. They take their children with them. They take their music with them. You know, it's a celebration. Plowing the fields is is everything. Is is ceremony. Everything is celebration. They give Pachamama a rest every February and August. It's Pachamama month. And in Pachamama mm-hmm. month, they do nothing but make despachos. You've seen the despachos? They do nothing. They just make offerings, February and August, offerings to Pachamama. They let her have a rest because it's Aini because she gives to them all the other times. Um, when you're walking in the mountains and you stop, there was one man right up the top of a, oh, my gosh, it just was incredible to see. He he was he was a he was he's my coca and his eyes welled up with tears he was so touched and happy that that I was offering my my coca leaves to him and he put his hand in that bag and he took them like he like not just a few he like so generous with himself and this is what they understand because it's like if they can receive then they have more to give and so I gave him my whole bag I said you take them papa have them and you know so he will go and he'll share them with his whole community now so and they're never in a in a state of lack they know that they're always looked after Mm. so you know this 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 thing of being generous with ourselves and um the thing is too is you know we believe and and we feel that all of these natural elements the apples which are the spirits of the mountains pachamama the waters the stars the sun the moon because nothing goes one way, sometimes we need their assistance. So as you were saying, you know, when you used to pray in, when you were growing up, you were asking for things and they don't mind. They're like, a, they're like a mother who loves you unconditionally. They'll give it to you. But you need to understand that sometimes you're in service to them too and sometimes they need you mm-hmm. to, do, to work on behalf of them. And that's what we do in our service and in our work and, in, you know, in, in what we do. So... Nothing goes one way. We're always in this sacred reciprocity. We're always in this Aini. And, you know, for me, for example, um, I always make sure in my journeys that, you know, if somebody comes and they really can't, for some reason they haven't got the, the funds or they can't afford to be there or whatever, that we work out a way for it to happen, you know. It just, because that's Aini, it's Aini. You know, we don't, we don't want anyone missing out. 
Mm. Uh, <clears throat> so it's simple, again, but profound. It really is. It really is. The let's talk about some practical things for people, um, because a lot of people listening to this will be living in first world countries and building careers and living in homes and paying off debts and raising children and um, and let's and, and myself you know i I'm, I'm living a life where by by choice i'm i'm building a certain type of business which incurs certain types of responsibilities and so i seek the most wise and profound ways to integrate wisdom from different pathways and and blend them into my life and mm-hmm. and so you know and and behind me you can see my little like meditation altar and 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 it's and you know and walking into nature there's there's certain ways that I now approach Mount Coulomb that I live on um but just share some some ways when when we were talking before about you being in 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 London um or these big European cities and with with crazy energies and density how do you draw the the wisdom from the Andes into your life when you're in those places it's a really good it's a really good question for me i feel that to have and this is something that i that i have committed to myself to do hmm, probably 20 years ago almost you know like i i i've had two businesses now and i'm i'm very entrepreneurial by nature and i'm i'm a, definitely a creatrix like things i get things up and moving and they take off and then i'm like Full, full speed ahead so I I have a commitment to myself that every morning um, before I do anything else I have a daily practice and you know this is known the the, the habits of successful people whatever that book was written you know and one of them is to have a, a solid morning routine or ritual hmm. and that doesn't look the same all the time because it will depend on your time frame and what you've got available to you and you know especially with Busy mums with kids, you know, they haven't got time to be sitting sure. and meditating. But there are things that you can do even just before you open your eyes in the morning. Mm. And for me, um, it it all comes back, it all comes back to this simple um, principle of connection. Mm. Connection to yourself and connection to what's around you and understanding the support that's actually available there for you. Because too many of us are walking around in life with all of the crazy stuff that's going on and the big energies and all the responsibilities that are feeling very overwhelmed and very alone. Mm -hmm. And when you start to develop this sense of something greater, I mean, all of the all of the spiritual practices come come back to this, you know. So, just on a practical level, I'll share with you what I what I do. Um, So, in the morning, the first thing I do before I even sit up in bed is I scan my body. Now, for me, I've come to, to be shown very clearly that the, the, the energy that we have as human beings is so profoundly healing to our central nervous systems. Like we can heal. I mean, that the whole process of Reiki is based on this, you know. Mm-hmm. We are so quick to send our energy out and use it, you know, like, leak our energy out to everybody else mm. that needs we forget that we have that power within us to give it to ourselves 
So the first thing I do in the morning when I'm lying there before anyone even knows I'm awake, mm-hmm. so you can sneakily, is you just put your hand over yourself, over your over your solar plexus and over your heart, and I just feel into what is going on in my body. So I connect to myself. Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling relaxed? Do I feel overwhelmed? Have I got a lot on for the day? And I, I actually soothe myself. If there's anything that's coming up for me that's uncomfortable, because any of these things that come up for us are only aspects of ourselves that have at some point been ignored. Oh. And the reason we get recurring um, anxiety, um, even if, you know, sometimes it's because of perceived, we perceive it's because of what's going on in life, but you take those things away. For most of us, for all of us, actually, the anxiety is there. It's part of the reptilian brain, actually. It's there. It's embedded. Mm-hmm. It's in us. And so we need to do what we would do with a little one. If, if our babies, if our children woke up in the morning screaming and crying and we're like, what would we do? Would we just ignore them and go, oh, actually, I have to go now. I've got to go to work. Sorry. Or would we pick them up and take a moment and say, it's all right. It's okay. You know, and soothe them. And so we need to learn to do this to ourselves. This is our healing. This is our greatest superpower is that we've got it within us to be able to do this. And so I just I just lay there and I'm like, if I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, it's okay, Jemsy. I actually talk to myself, it's okay, you got this. We got this. Okay, the day is going to be what it's going to be. And, I, and you're all good and take a few deep breaths and I'm, you know, and I, I do this self-soothing thing, okay. Then when I feel that, I, that I'm, you know, just after a couple of minutes of checking in, and do that then I just sit up and if I've got t- usually what I'll do is just do a short meditation of 10 minutes um, just breathing just sitting with my breath that's all nothing fancy just watching the breath go in and out connecting to the breath the breath is the most important thing that we have you know it's the most precious thing and it's free and nobody needs to teach you about it we've all got it we all do it just in and out mm-hmm. and then I pray and my, the praying for me, we can give it that word pray, but really it's the other word for it is connect. So for me, every morning I pray to my mountains. So for me, it's like Apawal Sangati. He teaches me about balance, about harmony. So I say Apawal Sangati, please, during my day today, whatever arises, please help me to approach it with balance and harmony. Apusalkantai. Please, because you've taught me how to know myself. So whatever situation arises today, please allow me to remember the strength of myself, my core of who I am, you see? So for me, it's the mountains because I spend so much time there and I've got that deep connection to them. But for you or for somebody else, for you it might be Mount Coolum. You know, when you go to Mount Coolum, you feel, what do you feel when you go to Mount Coolum? Brotherly support. Right. (laughs) So for you, Mount Coolum, I'm calling on you, Maestro, for support today, for whatever comes up to feel like I've got this and you've got me and we can do this together. Do you see? Mm-hmm. You're now, this is a personal relationship now to the mountain. And then the mountain hears you and goes, right on, Jiro, I'm there. And when those moments come up where something is going pear-shaped or there's a challenge or, you know, you're having a difficult conversation with somebody in your, in your business, in your life, to yourself, you say, Mount Coolum, now, bring it, mm-hmm. let's go. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is how we begin to develop using our connection to these beings in service to us as we are to them. It might be the water. If you live, if someone lives near or loves, no, even if they don't live near it, but if, if there's somebody who really connects to the ocean, like they surf or, you know, 
or they just love to swim, then you would call in. For me, I'd call it Mamakocha because that's what we call the ocean, but you would say Mother Ocean and you'd visualise her crystalline blue waters and you would say to her, help me to stay flowing today, help me to keep in the flow, help me not to be rigid, help me to be able to move with whatever comes into life today. Mm -hmm. So these things are only simple and at first you might be like, oh, bloody hell, how am I going to do that? But little by little, connection just doesn't happen overnight like this because these senses, this awareness, this wisdom has been shut down in us. It's been shut down. Every single one of us at some point in our past life history has the fact those of us that are standing here right now we're remembering again because at some point something has happened to shut that part of us off we've been burned at the stake we've been hung drawn and quartered there's been something that's gone on that has gone you're not allowed to to remember who you are you're not allowed to know that you're the healer you're not allowed to know that you're the wisdom keeper and so we're done with that and we're remembering so and it takes practice you've got to like it's it's like scratching a, you know, a little bit at a time and then all of a sudden it's there and it's available to you but like yoga or any other practice the consistency is the key and it mm. doesn't have to take long it's just a few minutes and then when you're out and about you know in your day even if you're in the city streets like when I'm in London oh my god I look around at the architecture and I'm like we're epic humans <laughs> look at this Oh my God. And I really, with the curiosity of the being that I know I am, which is a star being that has come down here to have this epic experience of life. And I'm going to adventure through life, no matter how hard it is, like I'm on holiday. And so when, when stuff's going down in life and it's really tough and you're stuck in it all, yes, you'll get stuck in it for a while, but at some point, if you can just try and take the perspective higher and look down at everything and trust that every single thing that is playing out, that is happening, no matter how hard it feels, is happening in perfect timing and sequence. It's all exactly as it's meant to be. There are no mistakes. Hmm. And if you can just breathe and not get, see, the mind wants to take us off on a tangent and that's what causes the anxiety. But if we can just take those moments to come back into the connection, like my connection to the mountains has gotten me through the, the most, the hugest um, challenges within business and finances and all of that stuff, you know. I'm like, okay, I need strength, apple, sock and tie, help. Hmm. Hmm. Help. I need your help now, you know, and it works. This is, this is what, you know, a lot of the work that I do, I use the words flow, flow state. These are sort of like gateways for me to explore interconnection. And really there's the highest level of living in flow. This is terminology that, that, that I resonate with um, is living in the heart in constant connection with nature living as a healer living in one unified vision quest just living in out of the out of the separation of the mind and when i i really feel like when having spent time with you and kevin um and and by extension felt feeling the wisdom of your teachers i really feel like and I and I've and I've interviewed so many people on this podcast, like seventy-one people who all like have their own version of like 
living in a, in a, in a wonderful way. And I, I really feel like this wisdom tradition has the most refined wisdom when it comes to living in the flow of life. And it's, it's just, it's this seem, there's no like boundaries, you know, it's, it's just such pure immersion into life itself. Oh, there's no limitations. And this is the thing. And this is the most, this is the most profound part of this path and this journey. And when people come to Peru, you know, on the first day, I say to people, I invite you for the next two or three weeks to drop everything you think you know. Every limitation you have around what you eat, around what you drink, around your spiritual path, mm. around your spiritual practice, park it at the door for a minute and be open to receiving everything that life has for you because this is how the Andeans live. They don't, they don't exclude anything. They don't push away. They believe that everything is here for us and that when we're in balance with it and when, when, we're, when we're in ceremony with it, we don't abuse things. We don't need to. We celebrate. Mm. And it, this, this wisdom is so, it's so simple but it's so profound and it's so applicable to our modern lives. You know, as human beings, if somebody told us to go stand on our head for five hours a day and that would, that would, would be enlightened if we did that, we go, oh, okay, that's hard. I'll do that. Yep, I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> because we think that we need to struggle to get somewhere. We're here to yeah. have fun. We're here to enjoy. We're crystalline conduits of energy that are here in service to our Pachamama. We're in service to, to the earth because we receive the light codes and frequencies from the sun and the celestial beings that the earth needs and we conduit and plant it into the earth. We're like giant conductors of energy. So we're in service to the planet just by being here, actually. Mm. Mm. But unconditional love being what it is has given us free will has given us you know love is not saying you have to abide by a set of guidelines the creator said i love you so much i'm going to give you free will to do whatever you want so our purpose our our what we need to do while we're here is to remember our true nature of unconditional love mm. and let the free will be in alignment with that be in service to that but sometimes like with anything we've got to go off the path to figure our way back on and uh you know it's all part of the process it's okay yeah we got to like learning about fear feeling fear understanding the the depths of fear and despair and judgment um have been so helpful for me to understand the depths of love and surrender it's um yeah it's interesting like that um we're going to wrap it up there because we've uh, covered so many beautiful things. And I want to just, uh, the, the beautiful um, theme and container that this conversation for me has represented is um, understanding the possibilities of a truly sacred relationship with, with nature, with the earth, and, um, and also understanding ourselves as powerful healers. And learning that directing our energy inward as opposed to just continuously expending our energy on our projects and whatever, but, but actually putting our energy inward. This, is, this has been a very powerful lesson for me, a reminder for me. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your morning practice. Um, it's, been, it's been a delight to talk to you. Um, and I know that the listeners will have got so much from this. Thank you so much, Jiro. And I just wanted to say two little 
things at the end of that morning practice because it sounded like a long one, but it's not. Wake up and feel, connect, move the mm. body in some way, shape or form, and then look up. Mm. Just look up. Look up to the sky and allow yourself to feel the thousands of non-physical beings that are supporting you every single minute of every single day. And remember that all you need to do is ask. Mm. You only need They're there for you. They're there for you. They'll get you through anything. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Gemma. Jamita. Thank you, Dallin. Thank you so much. And thank you for the, the amazing work that you're doing. This is, this is mm. like game-changing stuff and so important. I really honour you in it. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to that episode, that dialogue between me and Jamita. And, yeah, we're going to Peru in October 2018. I can't wait. If you feel it, if you've been feeling the call, if you're curious about this wisdom tradition, if you want to go deeper into your spiritual exploration, if you want to know who you are, if you want to explore what your purpose is, if you want to understand what lies underneath all of your conditioning and your fears and your anxieties, then maybe this is your call. We're going in October. If you want more details, uh, shoot me an email or go to the flowstate.co website. You can shoot me an email at jiro at flowstate.co.co. And if you're a founder, an entrepreneur, a purpose-driven visionary entrepreneur, and you have no interest in business as normal, and you have a little rebellious spirit coursing through your veins, and you want to change the way things are done, and you want to align your life in service to the greater good, you want to be an agent of change representing nature and life itself, well, I've created a tribe for people like you. Go to flowstatex.com and you'll learn more about this tribe. If you feel the vibes, feel free to apply. It's a beautiful mastermind, a tribe of visionary entrepreneurs who are co-creating something very profoundly special, uh, developing flow consciousness, creating cultures that flow, flow culture at the workplace, cultures of higher meaning, deep trust, constant growth. Ah, If that's your vibe, check it out. That's it for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Flow State Performance Podcast. My name is Jira Taylor, the founder of Flow State. I'm wishing you the most flowy, beautiful, wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye.